Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, good people. Welcome to our show. Bad people, welcome to our show. Anyone who want to learn more about marketing, welcome. I don't care, good or bad, medium. I want to teach you something new. And I'm so excited to discuss about digital marketing channels with Courtney Makara. How are you? I'm doing good, thanks. How are you? Doing great. We chatted a little bit before the podcast about problems that marketers, companies struggle find by using different channels. But before we start, I just want to ask about you, about your business background anything that can help our listeners to learn more about you. Okay, sounds good. I fell into the SaaS world of marketing about 12 years ago or so. I ended up getting a, my first job in SaaS as a marketing coordinator and they happened to use Salesforce. Um, but it was very messy, kind of the, the whole company used it and no one really controlled it or owned it. And I saw a window of opportunity where I could clean it up and get organized and eventually started running some, you know, email campaigns and newsletters for customers and prospects and then kind of migrated into marketing operations um, and fell in love with all of that technology because I don't think of myself as a very creative person in marketing. I don't, I'm not good at coming up with like the name of a webinar or choosing the logo design or brand, but I really like spreadsheets and data and analytics and making things work when they're broken. And so I've been doing that now for most of my career. I um, have worked in-house at a couple companies in the Bay Area, mostly startups um, or companies that have like a startup vision. Um, and I started consulting my little independent business, which is just me, team of one. I started doing that in 2019. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Okay. Uh, I want to start from the first question, you know, to find the right channel because it's a big struggle. You know, uh, most um, marketers tell you need to find where your audience is. Uh, but sometimes um, when you know where your audience, it's hard to implement your creativity. You mentioned that you are not creative, but I think you cooperate with people who are creative. Because, you know, um, uh, 12 years ago when I started my online journey, uh, yeah, I had uh, one specialist who uh, wrote content, uh, submitted content, promoted content. Today I have a team of specialists because yeah, Jack of all trades, master of none. That worked. Mm -hmm. That worked because competition was low. Many companies ignored um, digital today. Uh, all companies are uh, on digital. Everyone. So mm -hmm. uh, I wanna ask how you find the right channel that uh, suitable to customers and uh, yeah, cover sales funnel. I think it really depends on the size of the business and kind of their goals. Are they a really small scrappy startup that might have only 50 employees and they're just trying to get their name out there? They really need to acquire names in their own database. So that concept is about, you know, name acquisition and growth in that way. Of course, the end goal is always revenue and getting customers, but you can't get customers from zero. You have to start with prospects and communicating with people and getting them to either come to your website and learn about you meeting you at events or being in your product. If they're doing, you know, a free trial version or even a freemium version of the product and looking into product like growth. So for small companies, it's just acquiring names. 
But then of course, as companies get bigger and bigger, and I've worked with some really large enterprise companies and their database is three to 30 million people. So they have the names, but then it's all about conversion and converting people from, you know, either window shoppers or just prospects to maybe a, a low tier level customer to a higher paying customer. That's where the multi-channel or I've heard the term omni-channel marketing really comes in where it's going to be all sorts of things. Even direct mail is even a channel that is, you know, refreshed and revived and, um, you know, kind of re-exciting again for 2023. So I think it just depends on where you're working and what your goals are. Nice, nice. Courtney, I want to ask about, um, you know, something that hard to ignore today, uh, impossible tomorrow, but yeah, uh, about AI, you know. I knew you were going <laughs> to uh, say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, what I usually see when uh, content creators overuse AI, you know, they use generic way like uh, to write prompts like how to play guitar, how to lose weight. I don't know, ma many prompts like this. But um, remember when Elon Musk uh, tweeted about uh, his question on ChatGPT and uh, he asked hard question in bad language, Elon Musk can, you know. And, uh, you know, yeah. that's interesting about this question uh, that I read a few times to understand Elon Musk's point and he got this unique answer um uh, can you tell your way how to use uh, ai today in smart way i mean like to get uh in the process of creating high quality content that is a very good question i mean it is june 2023 so i feel like we are still so early in the phases of ai and chat gpt it's probably been at least in my world i've been aware of it about three months now which is still pretty new so in full transparency, I have not dove into it. I have not really experienced it. I have seen some people do it really well. Because if you think about ChatGPT and these tools are really super enhanced search engines. You know, it's a, it, I think the proper term for it is like a learning language model, an LLM. I've kind of started to learn about how it works and it can go out and find all sorts of research and things that are already online and kind of consolidate them for you. So if you're looking for you know, a, maybe a marketing plan for a small, you know, 100 person startup, you can ask for it to prompt that for you. Like, what should I do for the next 12 months for a marketing plan or to kind of give you a guidance or a framework or a template that then you can customize. I hesitate to see people asking AI and these tools to have them write them, you know, write me an email cadence that I'm going to send yeah. out to people. Um, I don't think we're quite there yet because you still want to be customized. I mean, customers want to feel special and unique. And um, I think we're going to be able to read through a lot of those things that are auto written. But I think the benefit, again, like I mentioned before, is kind of resource gathering and seeing what has already been written out there. What's a formula that has worked for other people that I could kind of bring in as like a skeleton framework and then customize for myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It takes time to fit AI with the right data. For example, I use AI to write press releases and we got mentioned on CNN. Oh, know, neat. Because, um, yeah, uh, it's it's not only me, my team, because I yeah. have the process. I have people who can write press release, who can uh, edit, who can uh, pitch them. And uh, my PR uh, specialist told me for 16 years, it's first time CNN reply. And uh, even more, we got this uh, mention. It's not linked. 
mention, not bad, you know, CNN is greedy with <laughs> LinkedIn, but that, that, that's good, okay, you know, to have this mention on CNN. And yeah, I did see someone yeah. using chat GPT or, you know, one of, the, I know there are other tools that do similar thing from other companies. That's just the one that the, the word I'm always using um, to help write job descriptions and like roles and responsibilities within a marketing department, especially if you do have a, a large team, you might have five or six people that all have a similar title of like marketing operations. Um, but there's different parts of that. You know, there's campaign operations or platform operations or ad tech support and operations. And they were trying to figure out, you know, how do we either hire new people for this? What does that job description look at look like? And that is out there, but it can be really hard to just do like keyword searching in a typical search engine. And you can use these tools to actually kind of craft job descriptions for you. And I thought that was a really interesting tool for it. Yeah, nice, nice. Um, you know, uh, one struggle that I have uh, with my clients, with my audience, um, um, you know, I often get requests. I don't know what to do so, uh, that, um, you know, for example, when someone can't get results for a long time, a few years and when i analyze their strategies in most cases so generic you know they analyze competitors see how they get traffic and try to replicate to create yeah. something similar uh, but all competitors have their strong sides you might have your strong side your unique selling proposition and i'm interested your way how to create the right marketing strategy because we have many different channels we have our strong sides because you know once i spoke with a master who lost 400,000 traffic because google dropped his ranking positions but he didn't lose any sales so he wow. heard this traffic that didn't convert so any tips about creating the right strategy oh boy um you know i think my heart is always actually lean towards customer marketing you know, typically I would say 98% of my time I'm supporting demand gen and they are focused on acquiring new names and converting them down the funnel and supporting first time sales, you know, net new name acquisition and net new customers. But at, for me as a customer, and I've been a customer of Salesforce and Marketo and Drift and Siftrock and, you know, tons of different technology. I love a really well done and genuine customer marketing experience because I do think it helps prevent churn. It helps me become an advocate and a very organic advocate of the technology and talk about it to other people. So I think that is a very uh, powerful channel that I think is often thought about too late in a company's maturity. They kind of wait to, oh, well, wait till we get you know, 5,000 customers, or we have this amount of, you know, recurring revenue, and then we'll do, you know, a customer conference, or we'll do maybe direct mail or swag or something like that. And I, I know it's expensive, but I don't have any data to back up the ROI on the customer marketing and, mm -hmm. you know, sending out direct mail can be expensive and putting on an event, especially an in-person event can be tough. But to me, that is my favorite channel on a personal, on a personal note. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And you no, know, once I watched interview with Arnold Schwarzenegger and he told on his interview about his success, uh, he told that he always has clear vision. He always has clear metrics, you know, what he wants to achieve in politics, in uh, sport, in movies, everywhere. So he knows exactly uh, what kind of results he wants to get you know even uh 99 of people uh won't believe it's possible yeah he 
proved <laughs> that every anything is possible. And you know what I see when marketers uh, set up uh, vanity metrics like volume, likes, comments, but yeah. it doesn't help to sell. Can you tell about KPI uh, and ROI, how to create metrics that will provide results in the end? You know, it's a slippery slope because, again, results in the end is revenue and profit. Yeah. And especially when companies become publicly traded and they are part of the stock market and there's quarterly reviews on, you know, all the different metrics. And that can really shift your focus and your vision on what success looks like. So mm -hmm. you know, I, I would love to take the Arnold method about looking at success. And if you ever talk to any sort of entrepreneur or founder who's starting a business, I think most of them would say they want happy return customers. So, you know, preventing churn and, you know, you can't prevent all of churn. There are going to be some things that are out of your control, but I think that's a really good, like empathetic thing to start out for, but it can get lost along the way as you start chasing, you know, revenue numbers and profit margins and targets and things like that. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, you know, I uh, analyzed your LinkedIn profile, your business, your consultancy, you know, uh, and uh, I'm interested about other pain points that my customers have uh, about uh, using a few marketing channels, you know, because uh, we chatted a little bit before the podcast that uh, marketers try to use channels uh, and they don't know how it works, for example. Uh, if someone is good with SEO, they're going to Facebook and just to, uh, to submit this content without engaging with audience, without getting results and do it for a long time for the sake of having it because competitors do. <laughs> so can you tell how to repurpose content uh, for the sake of getting results, not just for the sake of having it? Ah, yeah. I think that the concept of repurposing content is way more complex than anyone really realizes. You can't just take, you know, uh, an, a guide, like an e-guide or e-book or PDF, and then say, okay, we're gonna have a webinar about this e-guide. It's this, the format of delivering things is different. I think you have to have more of an overarching like theme or campaign or initiative that you're trying to talk about. You know, if you're trying to sell software that is automatic payroll services or something like that, um, you know, HR tech, it's like, who is your buyer and what is it that they are trying to do in their careers and in their daily lives? And that can be the overarching theme. I did have a small job of doing demand gen. This was a long time ago. And I, I had to come up with an initiative and I came up with a title of how many hats do you wear in a day? Because I knew the people that we were trying to sell to that were the decision makers were doing a million things. And we wanted them to buy our software and be our customers. But I think it was hard to get their attention because it was like 10% of their job was to book corporate travel. And we were a corporate travel agency. And so I was trying to get their attention to be like, we know you're busy and we know that you have to go book corporate travel every once in a while. And it's the last thing you want to do. And you probably don't want to go through the whole process of vendor decisions and evaluating the price, but we know you're wearing a thousand hats a day and we can help streamline this for you. So we really didn't go into them talking about like, corporate travel discounts and, you know, tracking where your employees are all the time. We went to talk to them about their personal pain points about their job. So that's kind of where I think would be a, an added value. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, uh, no, what I see, uh, not only me, I, I saw in on tweets when uh, marketers complain that uh, clients implement only a teeny percent of their recommendations um, 
someone mm-hmm. even shared uh, the number like 40 percent you know so you can uh, provide a lot of valuable insights and if marketers charge i don't know like ten thousand dollars for their services um so six thousand can be wasted <laughs> because uh, companies have no time resources i don't know energy you know to implement all these uh tips so can you tell your way how you can educate and train your customers clients that it's important let's do it and go ahead so any tips about that yeah i mean i i think i shy away from actually forcing that kind of education or knowledge or opinions down their throats and really try and build a collaborative environment i find a lot of the struggles that come with larger teams or enterprise businesses is there's so many cooks in the kitchen um, it's just the nature of the beast. When you have a company with 9,000 employees, there's going to be, you know, one or 2,000 of them in marketing. And there's so many different types of marketing. You know, there's demand gen and product marketing, and everyone kind of has their own goals and initiatives and envision, visions of how it should be done. Um, and trying to get everybody to really simplify things, get everybody on the same page over what is the end goal, um, and then deciding, you know, the channels that are the right goals. And I also find, I'll kind of go on my own little tangent here, that there's a little bit of a lack of knowledge when you when your teams get that big, people's roles become a lot more specialized. Like you become a very mm-hmm. specific product marketer or product marketing manager or demand gen specialist or even just an event specialist. And you tend to get really, really specialized in your skills in that field. And just a little bit of education on what somebody else does and how they implement things can go a long way. I mean, even just teaching people about like, cookie tracking or UTM tagging on URLs across websites can really be a very simple education, but maybe there's a product marketer that's never had to deal with that. They've never done paid advertising, so they never need to learn about UTMs. But instead of arguing with another team or feeling like they don't get you or they're not supporting your initiative, but going a little bit further and kind of explaining why you want to do things, I think could get everybody on the same page. Mm-hmm. And uh, how to transfer this data to big companies? Because you mentioned many times that you can <laughs> cooperate with big companies and we have a lot of decision makers, C-level <laughs> uh, experts, and yeah, and all of them have different mindset, culture, no, m- m- many things. Uh, so can you tell your way how to find the right way to transfer data, recommendations, and uh, yeah, to be implemented in the end? <laughs> I think the data has to be unique for the the user, for the person that you're delivering it to. The reports and dashboards and analytics that you're going to give to your VP of marketing are very different than what you're going to give to the VP of sales or the CMO or the CEO. So I think, you know, creating one dashboard and sending out a link and saying, okay, here's our dashboard. Here's what marketing did for the last 30 days or 60 days. It'll show, you know, either emails sent or trade shows we attended that, that could either be too much information for some people or too little for someone else. So I think it's time consuming and it can be maybe a little tedious for people, but it has to be specific and unique reports for different levels of the business. And I've really gotten interested now in the concept of data stories. Um, I have a couple of friends that are kind of building software to help present data in more of a story format because looking at pie charts and bar graphs, um, 
is only really interesting, I feel like, to the people that build them because they know the data that's gone behind them. But how do we turn this data that we're presenting into a story of, yes, we sent out, you know, a, a thousand emails in the last month and we've had these many interactions or these many people showed up to webinars. But what is the story behind why people engage in our content and how are we going to take this historical information and then use it to inform our future behavior and action? And that's a story. That's not a snapshot or a dashboard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. And can you tell more about uh, crafting these stories? Uh, I mean, like if you have data uh, and how to craft the right story considering oh, this data? Man. Because, yeah. <laughs> I'm probably not the right person because it's a it's more technical and beyond my knowledge and ability. Mm -hmm. I'm currently just uh, observing and and learning on how these are being built, but kind of taking a snapshot of um, yeah, what how has emails performed in the in the past, and how are we going mm -hmm. to change our emails going forward? Rather than just saying mm -hmm. we've had this many you know opens or clicks or unsubscribes, but what can we do different going forward? And doing it in a visual way, um, I can share with you. I'll share with you um, a couple websites of some companies that are building these stories, and maybe you can have them as a guest on your podcast next. <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah, of course. And <laughs> uh, yeah, interesting. Uh, anytime you can. Uh, invite anyone who can share something new <laughs> with my awesome. audience and yeah Courtney I want to ask about um, let me share short story about uh, Lloyd Richards he published a book uh, 11 years ago but he spent 14 years to write this book so many years of writing just single book then he published and used uh, marketing sales methods nothing couldn't help you know to sell this book like random sales not good then his daughter posted content on i heard about this this yeah. is an amazing story yeah and uh, this video became viral plus 50 million people watch this video today this book is bestseller on amazon so amazing. you know yeah i i watched this video because i want to know how to get 50 million views you know and uh, it's not like nice looking design nothing special simple design but mm -hmm. this video provokes curiosity you know it provokes oh i what kind of book is this i want to read it you know i want to get this information so can you tell how to provoke curiosity in your marketing message because i see so you no know, many marketers use generic methods uh, replicate competitors it's the same it's mm -hmm. boring so any tips about provokes curiosity like uh, this uh, video did. <laughs> I think the best way to get the creative juices flowing is actually to get away from the computer. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> I find, you know, inspiration sometimes just driving around in the countryside and you, your, your mind wanders mm -hmm. and you're not thinking about work, but then something that you experience or someone that you talk to will bring you back to the work environment to help you think outside the box. I think that story particularly went viral because of the the genuine emotion and passion and care from the, the daughter, um, which I thought was really lovely. And that's lacking in a lot of digital marketing and, you know, B2B tech sales, because it can be really hard to be genuine and emotional and passionate about selling a software product because the reason that we're selling it is for revenue and growth. So I, I kind of would almost go back to the example that I had before about how many hats do you wear? And talking to your prospective customers about something emotional and something genuine and deep and not just buy this product because we want our stock price to raise in the next you know <laughs> review 
So I think that yeah. would be a little bit different. And I would be really, it would be really refreshing to see if some tech companies started, you know, talking in that way to me as a prospect. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, um, in my practice, I love to learn from big brands like Apple, BMW, many others. Uh, I learn their marketing campaigns and I found they're great with stories. You know, as you mentioned that you use data to craft the stories. And for example, when uh, Tim Cook shared a story about new Apple Watch, after that, I bought three pairs for, for me, for my son, for my wife. You know, we got this uh, awesome gadgets. And, uh, you know, it's not because Tim Cook shared features that I can swim with this Apple Watch, uh, like, I don't know, uh, dive 40 uh, meters, you know, many different things. He shared three stories how this Apple Watch can decide my problems, simplify mm -hmm. my life, improve the quality of life, many things. And, you know, I got the feeling of owning this Apple Watch. I want to have it. I want to have this gadget that can simplify my life to make it better. Uh, and um, uh, can you tell how to craft stories? I mean, like, it's not like to share all the features that uh, Apple shares them, but it's not in the main page. You, you need to scroll down to find because their audience are not interested to, to get these features. They want to uh, get this story. So any tips about crafting such stories? <laughs> You know, I think I am so much more of a technical person that that is just mm -hmm. not my wheelhouse. <laughs> you know, I'm okay. not the the design writer of the stories and to come up with that. I'm definitely the receiver of it. And I remember when the iPhone um, photo, the camera really was improved and there was billboards all over San Francisco of these beautiful images that were ginormous. And on the bottom, it would just say this was taken by an iPhone. And I have always had an Android phone for years and years. And I remember seeing those and being like, wow, those are really beautiful. And it doesn't talk about the features of the iPhone. And half of the photos are international travel. Someone's in Istanbul or someone's in Korea. Um, but it made me actually think, wow, those iPhones are pretty special. Um, so definitely yeah. need to get a, a more creative person that can get inspired to <laughs> help, help figure <laughs> out how to pull that out of people. Yeah, nice, nice. Okay, Courtney, uh, let's talk about mistakes. I made a lot of mistakes, some of them terrible mistakes, some of them not terrible, like terrible, <laughs> but still terrible, you know. But uh, I don't know another way how to learn, you know. It's uh, very true. part of the process, you know. For example, when I started PR, uh, I wrote a, a lot of press releases, I pitched them, got uh, nothing from that. Uh, no links, no mentions, anything. But I learned how it works. Then um, I decided to hire experts who can help me with that because I know the process. I know I need to write creative, interesting press release. I need to pitch to the right people. And when you have the process, it works. That's why we got this CNN link, uh, Forbes, many others. And um, I'm interested about common mistakes that you see when companies do uh, uh, i mean like mistakes that they can avoid for example some mistakes mm -hmm. we can avoid to learn from others and some mistakes we will do you know because it's uh, i don't know another way how to do it so least mistakes that we can avoid today <laughs> um well because i am an operationals person i feel like mistakes are definitely around data and i would say un understanding where you are acquiring your 
database from, you know, lead source is the most simple example and keeping it as a pick list and keeping it very small. Um, that's probably my biggest complaint of working either in any sort of marketing automation tool or in a CRM is that a free form text field for <laughs> things that mm -hmm. should be a pick list will just really help your data cleanliness and help you be able to build those stories easier down the road and understand, you know, what actions you want to repeat because then you can do a pivot table and, you know, you can really start to analyze the data in a matrix report. Um, so pick lists definitely would be a number one. And I think a lot of date stamping too. There's a lot of times where you want to go back afterwards and figure out, well, when did this prospect, you know, do this behavior or attend this? And we don't have, you know, historical tracking on some of the fields that have been, you know, changed. So I think um, capturing dates on things, even if you don't know if you'll need it in the future, it's better to collect it now. Um, and let's see, what other mistakes? I think another mistake is just throwing money at a problem. Um, I think we've talked about, you know, various channels and kind of doing what you think your competitors have done or maybe panicking and saying, well, we have we have this budget and if we don't use it, we're going to lose it, you know, by the end of the year. Let's just buy a list, you know, those dreaded three words that no one in operations ever want to hear. Oh, we just bought a list because we had to spend the money. Um, and, you know, you knew your competitor has a bigger database than you do. So you want to just grow this list or you partnered with maybe a little bit of a shady business that is collecting email addresses or names or phone numbers and maybe a mm -hmm. shady way. Um, those are just things to avoid. They're going to kind of bite you in the butt in the long run. Um, it might seem relatively innocent to get a list and send out a couple emails, but it's going to end up, it could hurt your sender reputation. You know, you could get blocklisted yeah. um, and the pain downstream isn't really worth it. And I think those things tend to happen also when um, individuals feel like they have an individual goal or metric that they're trying to achieve for maybe their own quarterly performance or annual performance and not thinking about everybody in the organization and everybody's goals and what they need to achieve at the time. Cause yeah, they might buy a list and be able to check that off one of their OKRs of, you know, acquired 50,000 records in a quarter, but somebody else, their OKRs are going to get completely messed up because of the ramifications of what the person A has done. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to share one more story. Uh, you mentioned that you, <laughs> after data, we can convert uh, to good stories. And uh, I remember <laughs> story from... I like the yeah. bad stories. Bad stories are more entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah okay uh, uh the story about jeff bezos you know once okay. he got a research team uh, and uh, this team asked him to give more time to collect more data to learn more about customers he denied he told them we have enough data you know and this product was alexa you know uh today most homes in the US have this product. Uh, so uh, Jeff got enough data. You mentioned many times about uh, collecting data, we need to have data to create this marketing message. Uh, of course, it's important, but I spoke with a few uh, data experts and many of them told, you know, that uh, when you have over data, it might confuse what you need to do. You know, if you need to have this <laughs> balance between enough data and over data or less data, I don't know. So uh, can you tell, how to find this balance, how to collect Oof. enough data, you know, how to find the balance. I feel, um, that I think is, it's one of those things I think is a journey. I don't know if that project is ever done of finding the balance. 
Um, mm -hmm. It makes me think of attribution, which is a very, you know, buzzworthy topic in marketing and marketing operations. And, you know, maybe it's a little bit of a 2020 term because now AI has kind of become the 2023 term, but thinking about multi-touch attribution and you can really get overloaded and buried in the data and almost the concept of analysis paralysis of everybody wants their channel or their initiative or project to get the quote unquote credit, you know, or attribution for the, the opportunity or the new customer. Um, and it, there is a point someone needs to make the executive decision and draw a line in the sand and say, we need to stop and collecting data, or we need to stop changing the data because we're not getting what we want. We're not seeing the results that we want. So we keep tweaking it and we need to like I said, draw a line in the sand, stop, look at the historical information and then move forward. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't know if that balance is ever done. I think it's going to be a changing thing because, again, if you're a growing company, what you do for the first six months of a year might be OK with one set of data. And then all of a sudden you grow and you land a bunch of more customers or you hire a bunch more employees. What you need to do for the second six months of the year is going to need to be different. So. Yeah, constantly nice. changing. Yeah. It's a good job yeah, security well, for us, right? Yeah, and and what what do you think about collecting data from AI? For example, if I ask ChatGPT, please provide data. Is it worth it to consider, or it's better to use traditional channels like? Oof. That we have. I think I might be a little bit of a late adapter on that. I'm I mm -hmm. I'm not educated enough on these AI tools to know where the data is coming from and is it sourced and is it verifiable and those types of mm -hmm. things. So I would be a little, I would tread cautiously. I would be cautiously optimistic with AI. Yeah. Data. Yeah. I think uh, AI is good with um, combining, uniting this data. I mean, like, yeah, uh, that way, for example, we use AI to calculate data for uh, trading, investing websites, but uh, we don't collect data. We just, um, Calculate, you know, <laughs> use different yeah. formulas. Yeah. yeah, about that. Courtney, I wanna ask about something that many students are asking me on social media. And even more, I found that I usually get great results with customers who understand SEO. If they don't, I tell them, take my course, learn from great experts, Lily Ray, Rand Fishkin. Ah, no, Rand Fishkin spoke two times on my podcast. He didn't uh, film videos on my course, but uh, Jeff Coel, uh, Mike Phillips, many, many great experts, uh, great knowledge from them. And uh, it costs like $20. Just uh, learn, go to YouTube, go to Google. It doesn't matter. Just get the basic, what marketing means, how to get results. Then you can cooperate with anyone, with any consultant. But if you don't, uh, I think, you know, um, it's hard to get results. It's the same like to find the best coach who can teach, I don't know, like uh, how to train muscles, how to learn French, I don't know, any different things. You need to understand how it works. So can you tell what will you do today if you started from scratch? You have no experience. You didn't collect any single piece of data, <laughs> it's your first day, you know. So how you can learn about marketing process today without zero, I mean, like with zero knowledge? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, it is interesting because I don't think there is a very clear starting point. You know, you could start a bunch of different ways. 
But once you do get started, once you kind of take that first leap into the education, there are so many resources and options out there. I mean, you mentioned YouTube, which is such a fantastic tool. There's so much knowledge out there um, that some can be free and some can be paid for. You get a little bit higher quality, you know, if you pay a little bit for a structured education. Um, but I mean, I've even used YouTube to learn how to like, you know, unclog a pipe under the sink or, you know, change something in the garage. So there's so much education out there. One other avenue that I recommend um, would be there's a lot of communities. There's these online digital communities. Most of them are leveraging Slack. Um, so you're not really online in a forum or a website like how we used to see almost like a Reddit community. It's a Slack community. So it's a much more chat based community. And there's so many helpful people out there that have Slack open all day, every day while they're at work. And you can jump in and quickly ask a question and say, I got stuck on something or I don't understand something. Um, and many of them are free to join. And that's just even in my world for marketing operations. I know for a fact there are Slack communities about tons of different focuses and departments. There's some just for content writing. There's some for sales operations or now you know revenue ops. Um, even for SEO or SEM and paid advertising, because people are, you know, I think deep down, there's a lot of really genuine and generous people out there that are willing to share their knowledge and education. So I think my advice would be start searching, starting in YouTube, and then not being afraid to ask. I think it can be very intimidating at first if you are on day one saying, I don't know anything and I need to start from scratch, but just raising your hand and introducing yourself. Um, is maybe the scariest part, but also really the easiest because it doesn't take anything. It doesn't cost you anything to introduce yourself and say hi. So nice, nice. Yeah, valuable, valuable. And my final question about the future, I want to ask you, take your crystal ball and <laughs> forecast what kind of future will be because we have AI, AI in marketing. Yeah, yeah I think it's must have today and in the future even more so uh, can you tell what kind of future will be in marketing process are you scared about the future because ai can replace you <laughs> uh, and any tips how uh, anyone can adapt today to this possible future yeah i'm not afraid of the future i mean there there are pieces of it that make me nervous i was just talking to somebody about the graphic part of AI and how you can take a photograph and ask it to change the background or change a person. Um, that's a little bit scary, but in the professional side of things, I'm, I'm not afraid. I think it's really interesting. I think a lot of what we do is um, overly complex and tedious to build it right. It can seem like, oh, I wish we could just have an intern to you know build these campaigns in Salesforce or build programs in Marketo or you know add links for LinkedIn or Facebook advertising, but it is tedious and it, it takes some education and some learning and it can be very time consuming. And I think AI and these tools might be able to help streamline a lot of that because a lot of it is formulaic based of, you know, adding UTMs onto a link or adding graphics and maybe asking even a, a tool to figure out the alternative text on a display ad and things like that. So I think it'll make things smoother, faster, more streamlined. Um, and I'm excited to learn about it. And I'm currently, again, cautiously optimistic and not afraid. <laughs> yeah, nice, nice. You know, I found that 
lazy marketers are scared, but uh, <laughs> smart marketers are enjoyed, you know, <laughs> yeah, they're excited, you know, what kind of future will be because marketers in TV and radio didn't lose their jobs. They adapted to digital, so we can adapt to anything. Just be early adopter, you know, if you do it today, then future will be great. Courtney, it's a big pleasure to get to my show to learn from you. I love all your valuable insights. You lead me to an emergency room. I need to spend time to consume all this information, <laughs> to think how I can adapt <laughs> today. Tell our audience the best way how to keep learning from you, how to reach out to you, how to follow you. I'm on LinkedIn uh, for Courtney Makara. I also do have Mustang Martech, which is my consulting business, also on LinkedIn or mustangmartech.com. Nice, guys, you can find the links to the website, to LinkedIn account in the description below. Listen us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. Love it. So valuable. I Thank you. To anyone to reach out to Courtney, to follow, to learn, to keep learning because you can see a lot of value. Okay, love you. See you. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.